And thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Code with Kingy, where we are recapping the sixth round of Super Rugby Aotearoa. And joining me once again is my former teammate Thomas Kiwara. Now, on Saturday night, we had the Hurricanes pipping the Blues, courtesy of a try to a Safwamor with five minutes to go and a sideline conversion from Geordie Barrett. But then on Sunday afternoon, we had the Highlanders coming back from 24 points down at one stage to take the win 33-31 against the Chiefs in Hamilton, courtesy of a last-minute try, or try in full-time, to Sio Tompkinson and a conversion from Mitchell Hunt. So, two cracking games of footy, and we'll jump straight into the analysis right now. Enjoy. Oh, and we'll, um, we'll kick into this uh, to, yep. to, to get our night over and done with. But So, Saturday night, we had the Hurricanes playing the Blues, and it was the Hurricanes who pipped... The Auckland-based outfit, 29-27, courtesy of a uh, try from a Suffolk Moore with five minutes to go, and then a Geordie Barrett sideline conversion. It was a bit of a, a bit of a weird game, similar to last week. The Hurricanes dominated position, and in fairness to the Blues, I thought that they did up really well, and they were quite clinical with their opportunities. They scored a few tries off rolling malls, but yeah, maybe there was just a little bit too much time left on the clock after Kurt Eklund had scored his try with about 15 to go, but. I know that you watched the game on Saturday night, so what did you take away from it? Yeah, it was a it was a massive game. Um, seeing uh, two of the sort of top teams go at it together, and and then with our preview, sort of dissecting, uh, you know, having a look at that Blues forward pack versus you know the Lamapi and Barrett, and then and what a game Lamapi had. It was he was influential, um, probably the key to the success of the Hurricanes on the night, I think. But um, I thought I thought the Blues line out and set piece was pretty handy, but still pretty impressive. Um, Tyrell Lomax and the and the Hurricane scrum, which um, looked looked pretty good early on as well. It was it was a good battle, and man, was was Jordy ever gonna miss that kick? I don't think so. Yeah. He lined yeah. it up, mate, and I think he was there was no doubt in his mind that ball was going over. That was that was class. I still can't get over how far he takes the ball back. Eh? like his boot is huge. Yeah. Um, How far would you say he would have went back? Oh, I reckon it. I reckon he would have been closer to probably the the ten meter line than the twenty two, bro. Yeah. Maybe about halfway in between them. I mean, my Pythagoras theorem is a bit dusty, but it's almost a fifty meter kick, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, bro. I. I. Whenever I've goal kicked, I mean, those. What I mean, I from the sideline. I always. I don't think I've ever taken it outside the twenty two. Well, depending on what ball you're using, but. He, but he clears him. It's not like he just scrapes them over. Like he well and truly like kicks them past the dead ball line. So I mean, he's, he's got a, he's got a massive boot, that's for sure. Yeah, but um, you mentioned Laomapi, and a lot has been made of his form as of late or during the earlier rounds of Super Rugby Aotearoa. And I'm a bit torn on it because I feel like, um, for the most part, it was the Hurricanes forwards that probably didn't supply the back line with the the front football they needed. But I guess when you have a player like him and you think about the, the skill set that he offers to a team, he is a crash and bash dude. Yeah. But like we saw on Saturday night, man, Bodie sort of preempted the inside cut looking to go back and field, but he showed a bit of toe to get on the outside of it. And like we all know how fast Bowden Barrett is. And he yeah, skinned I, him, then he runs through 
or Teddy Black for that first try. Yeah, I I think Bodie probably looks at him and thinks, there's no way this guy's going to go around me. And he kind of, you know, ends up on his haunches and, and it, Lamarpe just maybe saw that and tried his luck and caught him off guard a little bit and went right around him. I but, bet um, Bowden wishes that he went round him the second time, though. Eh? <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah. I mean, that was that was, was pretty poor technique. Him, oh, but like he was almost like on his heels, and he didn't even try and get a shoulder on. He almost tried to like hug him and take him to the ground. But like, is there many that could stop him that close to the line? No, nah, I don't know. Eh? like you'd have to literally go around his ankles, and I mean it's that tough when you when you're that front on. But like he's just so low to the ground, and he's such a good. Center of gravity and, and balance because he is just a, um, for the most part, a, a small ball of muscle. But yeah, I'd, I have, I don't know what I'd do if I got stuck in front of that. I think I'd just sort of duck and close my eyes and hope for the best. <laughs> but yeah, he's um, yeah, deceptively quick like we saw with, with that try. But I think even his work off the ball, so a lot was made of his his kick chase where he sort of lined up Matt Duffy mm-hmm. off a Geordie Barrett bomb and that was the, the biggest takeaway for me. He was just into the thick of everything and he showed a lot of passion in that interview after the game with, with Joe Wheeler and it was quite cool seeing something like that. I know that for the most part, our boys, our boys, all the New Zealand rugby boys are quite closed off because they're, they're yep. too scared to probably express themselves and put their team in a bit of strife if the, if the media sort of take it and run with it. But I liked it because... Yes, he has been in the media as of late, and a lot of guys have questioned his ability or whether or not he warrants all-back selection. And yeah, he comes out and puts out a, a really good performance, and you could see how emotional a lot of that crew was. You, there was the the shot on TJ Perinara, where I, I don't yeah. know who he was chirping to, but he sort of had his hand over his hair, like over his hair, over his ear, sorry. And there obviously was a bit of back and forth between him and maybe a couple of the Blues players. So. Mm. No, it was, there was, it was a bit was of chirp good. coming from TJ, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's your typical half-fat behaviour, as we all know. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I, I was watching TJ, I wouldn't say really closely, but I, I kept an eye on his service, and I know you were quite critical about it. And I, I think he's I think he's all right. You know, I don't think he's that slow. I know he does maybe take a couple of steps from time to time, but is it on purpose? Is he trying to draw in that, you know, that rock defender? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I think the the reason why I was critical, I thought there were a couple of opportunities uh, last week where maybe if the ball had gone to hand a little a little bit quicker there, there was the chance to expose some space on the outside. But his pack is going forward at the moment. And yeah. like, like me and you both know, as um, guys who play a bit of halfback, like when your four pack's going forward, it's really, really tough to not look good. Uh, but yeah. when you have your pack going backwards or you have your set piece going backwards and you still got to deliver adequate service to, to your outsides or to your first five, um, I think that's a real telling. And, mm. I mean, like we'll, we'll, we'll get to Aaron Smith later because he was – I mean, yeah, he's been the good. man as of late. But, but yeah, um, just to, to round off the Laomapi bit, he had carried for a game high 160 metres off um, 17 runs. Nice. Had a handful of defenders beaten, like we saw uh, <laughs> with Bodie. But one of the other big takeaways from from Saturday night's game as well, and I mentioned it being similar to last week, the Blues made 176 tackles and the Hurricanes only made 78. Now, I didn't really notice outrageous. it at the time, but it, it must be a tactic that the Hurricanes are going to now with keeping the ball in hand because maybe they know that their kick chase isn't the greatest or they don't want to give 
that well they don't want to get into a game of force back with the opposition because maybe it's not so much one of their strengths. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Hurricanes go against the Crusaders and whether or not they deploy that same tactic. What do, what do you think? Well, did you even notice that the amount I, of ball that the Hurricanes kept in hand? Yeah, I I mean I was watching to see how much they were kicking. Obviously the Blues kicked that a hell of a lot more. It's really hard to say. Uh, I, I don't. I thought they still kicked more than I thought they should have. I mean, they've got guys around the park that are quite strong with the ball in hand and, uh, you know, your Lamapes and your um, Geordie even, even though he's got a massive kick, he's, he's pretty strong in the carry. Your, your forwards like Artie and even Colsey in that. So the, I, I would like to see them try the same tactic against the Crusaders, mm. personally. They've, um, they've shown pretty good ability to be patient with the ball as well. I remember there was one spell or one sort of bit of play where the Hurricanes they must have gone about 20 or 30 metres backwards and they just couldn't find a hole in the Blues defence, this is in the second half but they just kept chipping away chipping away, chipping away like they have done in, over the last two weeks and they ended up earning themselves a penalty and I think they went to the corner and I think it ended up resulting in that Dane Coles try just next to the sticks which mm. Piranara set up off the ruck so they're doing quite well in securing their own ball and I think that's the only risky one when you're not going to try and play for field position is that if you don't protect your own ball, you're opening yourself up to good counter-attacking ball or good turnover ball for the opposition because it's not just like, you know, when you're in your own 22 and you turn the ball over, you know, you've got to clear it and kick it out to give your boys a bit of time or give them a bit of rest for being under the pump. You know, when you turn the ball over at halfway, it's straight into, you know, looking to flick it wide and expose any mismatches out there if you've got a few fatties out on the tram track. So... Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's, if they, yeah, it's working for the Canes at the moment, but yeah, the big test will be against the Crusaders. Yeah, I, I think if they they are holding the ball really well, but I feel like the you know if you hold it for three or four fa- uh, phases now, even five, um, you're gonna get a penalty. <laughs> it just yeah. it's, it seems like that the team that holds the ball is gonna get the advantage. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I think the Hurricanes did that well. They did go back a little bit, but they. You know they got the penalty, or they, or they, or they made a break off that rushing defense that um, all the teams are sort of deploying now. Yeah. But yeah, pretty cool to see them hold the ball though as well because that's not always always a given. No. Yeah. Or like we've seen, and like some of the time with these new refereeing interpretations, it's a bit fifty-fifty. You know, we've had guys sort of come in through the side, both cleaning out rucks and trying to counter ruck, and or guys have been pinged for sealing off the ball. But like I said, it's working for the Hurricanes at the moment and they've won through on the trot. So I think they'll stick to their game plan because why try and fix something that isn't broken? Mm, uh, but yeah, but before we round out this game, I want to pay a mention to the man who got booed on quite a few occasions on Saturday night, Bowden Barrett. He started the game at fullback like I su- suspected they would. And they kept all Teddy Black at first five. But he actually ended up making the shift infield when Black went off early in the second half with a head knock and I thought I thought he looked quite good besides the misconversion which ended up being costly again that was one of my uh, points with if you have Bowden Barrett at first five there is uh, not the same confidence I guess uh, with the goal kicking um, because I mean Autity Black uh, missed one from quite close range on Saturday night and he's He's a better goal kicker than Bodie, but I wouldn't say you know he's one of the the better ones going around. I mean, he, I mean he has his days like in that first round where he kicks all of them, and there are a couple of other nights where 
you know, like last week where the charge down proved costly. So, but yeah, I, I thought that Barrett looked good in ten. Um, his team didn't have a lot of ball in that second half, so it was sort of hard to tell whether or not you know he was getting his into the game as much as he should have. But yeah, I think the fact that they didn't have a lot of ball and the fact that the Blues were in that contest for pretty much that whole game up until that last five minutes when the the rolling mall tried to Armour was scored. I thought that was a pretty good indication that Barrett can still do the job in the ten place. But did you keep a particular eye on Bowden? I know, I mean, like we saw the try that he scored in the first half, and he was quite pumped up about it. I, I was actually quite taken back. I thought that he might be a bit mellow, but I think no. the boy might have got to him. Eh? Yeah, I, like I say, I mean, he's he's not exactly setting the world on fire at fullback, is he? I mean, he's, he's doing his job and and things like that. But I think we saw. Uh, when he went into first receiver and he made that break, did he score the try? That he offload? No, nah, he threw he threw the dummy and then he yeah, threw the went dummy, straight through. Yeah. yeah, straight through. You know, that's that's the sort of um, opportunity you have with Barrett when he is the first receiver. You want the ball in his hand as as much as possible. Like I know he, he does ha- have a lot of carries for for a first five, and when he did come into first five, but I think you know you, you just want the ball in his hands. He's going to create something, and and like I said with that rush defense. Um, you know, you might hit him nine times out of ten, but the time, the tenth time you miss him, or the nine or tenth time you miss him, he's going to score a try on you. Mm. So, um, you know, he's he's got a wide skill set. He's got a big enough punt, and um, he's got all the skills. I, I just I just think he should be playing ten. I think there's no true reason to put him at fifteen because I I think McKenzie and even his brother might be better fullbacks. Yeah. At, at right now. Well, so. I think what we've seen similar to Lamarpi that. When you've got a player of his caliber, you just want to get the ball in his hands as much as possible. And yep. like we've seen, not so much with the Canes on Saturday. No, I actually thought that Jackson Garden Bashup took a leaf out of Barrett's book and he looked to take the line on a couple of times and he was unfortunate to have his offload travel forward when Geordie Barrett seemed to find his way to the line. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Garden Bashup in a bit, but like you said, I think that the the threat he poses from first receiver and the the fact that the defense has to account for him because he is such a a home threat, a home run threat. Because it's not like he just makes the break and then he's got to look for support. Like he's that quick that you could find him. You know, like if you if you don't get to him in time, like like we saw on Saturday, you know, you find him scoring the sticks. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but... when we saw Oteri at the back. I mean, he brought a lot of ba- uh, ball back, so they must have been, must have been running that two fullback sort of system. And he never really looked like running, did he? He kind of just kicked it, kicked it back, and yeah. tried to find space. There was no sort of contestable put up from him. It was, I wouldn't say aimless, but um, maybe a little bit predictable. And mm. you know, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I mean, he got knocked. Uh, concussion or had a sore neck or something and went off but um, yeah. I yeah I'm not sure how long they're gonna if they're gonna make a big run for it I think they need to put Bodie the 10 but, but the, if they the, don't want him in the All Blacks or if they don't want him in the All Blacks at um, Bodie at 10 then who knows what they're gonna do well this is I was just about to bring up a bit of a curveball and I know it, this is right out of left field and it's probably <laughs> not gonna happen but considering how well Geordie Barrett's been playing of late and to me He's your first choice all black fullback because he adds an extra yeah, goal kicking option, and he's he's got the prototypical size. And you know, like we said, that mm. although he's got a massive boot, like he's a massive bugger, and he carries well, and he's safe under the high ball. But 
Uh, yeah, so to get to my point, because of how well Moanga has been playing at 10 as well, I think that he rightfully deserves the first shot at the 10 jersey for the All Blacks. But what would you say to playing Bowden Barrett on the wing? And now I, I, I raise this point because if you think back to the 2011 Rugby World Cup, where we had Richard Kahui and Corey Jane on the wings, now those two players weren't out and out wingers. Kahui was more of a midfielder and Corey Jane was typically a fullback for the Hurricanes. But they put them on the wings because they had probably a better skill set than some of the, the out-and-out finishes that you, you, you typically see with number 11 or number number 14 on your back for the for the All Blacks. You, you think of your likes of your, your Joe Rapathokos. Even now, you look at your Severises. But, mm. yeah, although I'm although I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it'll never happen, I actually don't mind the, the thought of having Barrett on the wing because, like we've seen, he's quick enough, or he's arguably the quickest person in the All Blacks. He's good under the high ball. He can kick. So he sort of ticks all of those boxes if you're trying to fit all the form players in, but you still want them on the field, if you, if you get yeah. what I mean? It's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he could definitely play there. He could definitely do it. But, I mean, what if he comes up against someone like Lamape and he has to tackle him? You know, like... Because, well, um, well, if you look has, at it... He's not bad, but... If, but you if, know, you, I, if you look at what a lot of teams are doing, so I'll give you the example. So Mitch Hunt for the Highlanders, he defends on the wing because they don't yeah. want him near near the middle of the field. Now, you could play Barrett at fullback on defence and put his brother up on the wing and just have him as that sort of sweeper role like you see in sevens where he's got to make more of his tackles side on than maybe front on. Mm. So you could always run that. But, yeah, it's just a, a bit of food for thought. It was something that I was sort of pondering over when I finished up watching the game on Saturday night, just thinking back to... Because I've always been a fan of having your fullbacks on the wings. You know, you think of like your Ben Smith's. Uh, as long as they've got they've got the toe to finish and that they've got an eye for the try line, and Barrett is both of those, you know, like what I think that he would be more than handy on the wing if you're still going to try and play your form players and Geordie Barrett and Richie Mwanga. And then what that also does is that also frees up the a spot in the 23 for someone like Damian McKenzie, who's shown um, that he's more than capable of breaking the game wide open when he's thrown into the mix with about 20 to go and you got tired legs running around the park. So. Yeah, yeah so, hey, like if Ian Foster, it's a big call, man. If, if, it's quite if a you're good... listening, mate, but like, yeah, <laughs> there's just there's a few good wingers around, man. Um, I think I feel a little bit shortchanged by that one, but uh, oh, but, but hey, but like, what's to say? What about what about Jordy to, to wing? Jordy to fullback. I mean, I... yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you I mean you can pick and choose, and I don't know. I think that the only yeah, I guess when you have someone like Geordie or Bowden on the wing, they're probably not as accustomed to looking for work off the ball that you mm. that you see with guys like maybe like a Rico Iwani or a George Bridge or a, or a Severo Reese. But I think those guys are clever enough players to learn that sort of stuff. And if you gave them a few yeah. opportunities, I think they'd pick it up pretty quickly. But yeah, that's just, um, just something from left field for whoever's listening to, to think about. And, you know, if it does come into fruition, you know where you heard it first. I'm <laughs> good <laughs> with Kingy. But yeah, um, just on the point of first fives, uh, I know that we talked a, a bit about the the first receivers for the Hurricanes and what the what the future holds for their ten stock at the moment. But um, having been dropped from last week's squad and been thrown back into the mix, I actually really like the look of Garden Bashup. He's yeah. obviously had a bit of a weight off his shoulders with Geordie coming back to handle the goal kicking, so you don't really have to stress about that. 
and I thought he cleared the ball really well because I was quite critical in the preview podcast that one of the the weaknesses for the Hurricanes is that when they turn over the ball or they're just looking to get out of their own half, their their kicking isn't great. Mm. Um, even if it does find touch, it's you know it's not anywhere near halfway. But a few of the times where they went to go out and Bishop instead of Geordie to get them out of their own end. Yeah, they were the they were pushing close to halfway. So I just want to I just want to tip my hat to him, and you know, like I said, I will always eat humble pie when when the boys front up. So yeah, yeah, I, I thought you, um, I thought he I thought he played quite well as well. Obviously, I could be quite critical of of the tens because they they chop and change them quite a bit, and uh, mm. I, I didn't I didn't feel Fletcher played too bad the week before either. No, yeah. So, but I suppose they're just trying to find out maybe who's who's going to be their guy. But um, I think I think Jackson deserves another another shot next week. Yeah, I mean he cleared well. He, uh, I suppose he didn't have to kick. He obviously didn't kick as much because they the Blues made 170 odd tackles. But um. Yeah, front football as well. Would you say? Yeah, that, that's always yeah. something something else you got to take into consideration. And I but guess, regardless, and I guess yeah, like, yeah. Even while we're on this point as well, I, I think I need to tip my hat to the Hurricanes forwards because mm. I was yeah again dogging them quite a bit after their first three rounds because I made the point that they're not the biggest pack going around and maybe their attitude was a little bit lacking, but they've been phenomenal the last couple of rounds. Uh, and it, and is, it is seems that it seems that, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Artie and, and Colsey are, are definitely great additions. And um, when you play with great players, the whole team lifts. But just everyone, like even when Asaf Moore came on, even when Alex Fido came on, you know, th- their bench made a real impact. Jamie Booth, again, I thought was really good in the closing stages. So there seems to have been some sort of rejuvenation after they came back from the bye. And so. they've just sort of been like a snowball. They just carried it in. And... The telling thing from this weekend just gone was just how sort of cool their heads were in the dying stages. Like that last five minutes, and considering how poorly the, the Hurricanes lineup had been in previous weeks, the fact that they backed themselves, they went to the corner and they score off the line-out drive against a quality four-pack in the Blues, I think it just goes to show the confidence that they're playing with at the moment. And... Yeah, it was it was it was delightful to see as a Hurricanes fan. Even though I've not picked them to win in any of the games that they've won, I can't say that I've I've been disappointed with with getting my my predictions wrong. I mean, you look across their roster, especially their starting fifteen, and you got you got um, guys that have come back like Geordie and uh, Adi, uh, Nani, and um, TJ are also big influences. And you got Colsey up front, so that I think they're just well balanced across the field with with key leaders. And, and and just it sh- something something's clicked there, I think, and I think they've turned the corner. So I'm I'm quite excited for when they take on the Crusaders, to be honest. Yeah, that'll definitely yeah. be. Oh, I mean, I thought this weekend was a big tester, or the weekend just gone. Yeah. Sorry, was yep. was a big tester, and the, and they passed that. Uh, they showed an ability to stay in the fight and take their opportunity to win the game when it when it presented itself. Yeah, but like we saw last week with the Blues, the Crusaders are the benchmark, and the Hurricanes mm-hmm. could be in the contest for 75 minutes this coming weekend and then get pipped at the end if they don't, you know, if they don't stick to their guns. What do you think about uh, that last try? A supple's one. Well, the, um, the, the referee, well, who was it? It was Ben O'Keefe said that he saw the ball being grounded. And, okay. you know, I, I mean, I, I love it when referees back themselves, even if we didn't get a, a clear grounding from the TMO. You know, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm all, yeah, well... 
I know that a lot is made of the the TMO, and there was a there was a controversial TMO decision in, in the next game that we'll cover. But the I just feel like if if you're the on field referee and you've seen what you've seen and you're and you're confident with that, just back yourself and call it as it is. I don't because a lot of time can get taken away when you go to the when you go to the TMO and yeah, but it's nice and handy to have that tool there to to double check things every now and then. But there've been a couple of times where referees have just backed themselves even like with groundings with you know maybe a player finishing in the corner and uh there's the possibility of a guy having stepped into touch but the referee will go to his touchies and be like i'm happy with the grounding and the touchy will be happy with the grounding and they'll just award it you know i i'm i like to see more of that it, it helps with the flow of the game and it just shows that the referees have a handle on the game rather than sort of just going upstairs to their big brother every single time yeah, I mean, he could have easily sent that up a no-try, too. Mm, uh, no, exactly. No one would have better bat, an eyelid. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it's it's good good to see. Well, I'm happy he did that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, the supple was always going to be hard to stop getting to the ground. Mm. So, uh, yeah, just just I just wonder what your thoughts were on that. No, well, yeah, similar to you, bro, with being a Hurricanes fan, I was... Um... I wouldn't say I was jubilant, but yeah, it was, it was not. It was nice to see that that arm go up and um, the blowing of the whistle happening. So, yeah, but we'll, we'll kick on to the second game though. Sunday afternoon, where the the Highlanders came back from twenty four points down at one stage to defeat the Chiefs thirty three thirty one. Uh, a game of two halves, uh, t- to yeah. say the least. Uh, Sierra Tomkinson scoring the winner, or scoring the game drawing try off a line out more set up by who else but Aaron Smith and then Mitch Hunt making no mistake from the conversion right next to the six. So again, bro, what were your thoughts having watched that game over and seeing yeah. the, the the look on Warren Gatlin and, and Damian McKenzie's face? Because I, 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 I felt for those guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, awesome game. I, I didn't think it'll be as uh, as close or as good as the um, the Hurricanes and Blues game, but it um, really proved to be a good watch in the end. And I mean, Aaron Smith. I think he he's the key there for that one. Like twenty, how many points were they up at, at half time or in t- first twenty or so minutes? So they were nil? they were they were down twenty four nil at one stage, and then yeah, Makali Tu scored the try. Sam Kane goes to the bin. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember if the they got on the board again. No, I think they only had seven points. It was I think it might have been twenty four seven. Yep. when they went into the break, but then Bradley Slater scored right after half time for the Chiefs, and I was like, oh, maybe that's it. But they, I, um, I thought it was done. I, yeah, I so was, did I. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they um, stuck in the fight. Yeah, how I thought the both number eights were massive. They were awesome, and when they took Tuu off for the Highlanders, I thought that that's a bad call because this guy was running amok. He, he well, well they made quite a few changes. I think it was like a three, it was like a well, three man substitution. But yeah, like yeah, we'll get that was one of my one of the note points that I've got. The, the Highlanders bench were awesome, but you you keep going, bro. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I just thought, and, and so the uh, the chief say is it so cooler? Is that his mm-hmm. name? Yep. Like he was unreal as well. Um, the the line out drives because there was a couple of a couple of tries for the Chiefs from line out drives, wasn't there? Yep, two. Yep. Yep, yep, two really good ones, and they sort of were. I thought they were, you know, they were dominating in that space, and the Highlanders tried a couple of times and and got somewhere, but not as good as the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs really dominated dominated that, and we just, you know, gave them flack about their tight five too. Yeah, uh, and, <laughs> we and, did. And they bro. stepped up, but they were they were awesome, and I thought, you know, I really wanted to see their backs flourish, and they played well. Like Anton Leonard Brown was 
influential again and scoring the second try, but it was really up front where they where they did the damage. And yeah, Sam Kane's yellow card. It's a bit of a. I know they were up by a fair few points, but um, it's a bit of a coach killer, especially when he just got told before. He's the captain as well, man. Like yeah, yeah. It's a, that's a, that's, oh, it's. I'm I'm a big fan of Sam Kane, but I thought that was a bit of a coach killer early on. But I I didn't think that would would have been a factor in them, in you know ending up and ending up losing the game. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess first things first. Credit to the Highlanders. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of teams. Well, well, I guess we've seen with with the Highlanders that they that they showed that the mental fortitude to still pick themselves up and, and dust themselves off after conceding three tries in quick succession. But yeah, I don't really know where it went wrong for the Chiefs. I mean, like the the Highlanders were their own worst enemy in in that first half. They lost the penalty count seven four. Discipline was poor. Yeah. And there were a couple of opportunities where. Aaron Smith went blindside, and he threw the dummy, and he got the offload away to McCauley too, but he dropped the ball. That was after the the Highlanders, or not not the Highlanders, the Chiefs' second try. And there was another one where Sierra Tompkinson dropped a, a ball that looked to have put him in a hole. So it wasn't like the the Highlanders were like were, 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 yeah. were that terrible in the first half. They just didn't take their opportunities. Like funnily enough, they actually dominated position uh, and offloading and, and clean line breaks and, and defenders beaten in that first half, but it was just the Chiefs who converted their opportunities into points. But then in saying that as well, there were there was an opportunity right before half time where where a wayward pass from McKenzie was knocked on by Boshier where I think if they had a scored then because they were inside the twenty two that would have been an been an even bigger, I guess maybe killer blow because I mean like yeah. I know I know that we saw that they came back from that point down, but thirty points or close to thirty points is is a hefty margin. I mean that that's that's more than four converted tries. So yeah, I think yeah. that would have been a hurdle too far for for the Highlanders. I mean, yeah, I, I thought Boucher played one of his better games since yep since he did COVID. I was um I mean he was unbelievable before COVID and then. Kind of, t- it's taken him a while to get back and in, back into that form. But I think I thought he was awesome. Did he score a try as well? Yes, he, he, he scored really the first try. As well. But yeah, well, I, he I thought he practically won the game for them when he won that turnover at the I end. Thought it was over, yeah. yeah. But I I did watch a replay of the game today, but I'm not sure if it was him. But uh, obviously, when when the the Highlanders before they scored that try off the lineout drive. The reason why they won that penalty was the truck and trailer call, because uh, all yes, the Chiefs yeah. had to do was take that lineout ball down, probably go off one phase, and then kick it out. But there was a bit of like a, a bit of scrappiness with the lineout because the the front guys, whoever had I don't know, joined onto Boshier because he was the one who took the lineout ball down, sort of dropped off, and I think the shoulders weren't together. If you get what I mean in terms of like with the rolling with the malls, but they got back up, and so that's where they got the the truck and trailer call, and then yeah, obviously as we saw, Tompkinson scores the try and and Hunt kicks the the conversion to win the game. So yeah, a, a real a real frustrating one to say the least for the Chiefs. But there was also a big a big call where Damian McKenzie scored a try, and it was called back by the TMO yeah. from off the the touchies. I guess what would you call it? Um, sighting. sighting. Yeah, 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 a sighting. But having listened to Sam Kane and and I read the stuff article after the game as well, 
with the TMOs, I guess, input on those types of decisions, they're only allowed to go back two phases. But it was actually three phases. Did you hear the after, ref as after well? that? Yeah, well, yeah, the referee said that it was within two. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was rough, but then like, if it's not a try, it's not a try. You know? Exactly, like, yeah. and they still, and the Highlanders school went on to score two tries after that call was made. So, it wasn't like that was a last minute try that was disallowed for for the Chiefs. But yeah, I don't really know where to go with them because I mean I've you know, you, well, you, you don't yeah. want to kick a, a dog while it's down and they, they look the goods in the first half and yep that might have been courtesy of some some ill discipline and some wayward tackling yeah. from the Highlanders but yeah they didn't show a lot of backbone in that second half when when the points kept piling on and credit to guys like Aaron Smith who like I've mentioned I thought that he was phenomenal again uh, on Sunday afternoon and he's been my standout individual for the tournament as a whole. You could toss Will Jordan in there because of the way that the Crusaders have been playing and the fact the Crusaders have won the most games, but Aaron Smith is just on another level at the moment and he's just doing it through all facets. We see how beautiful his pass is, both when he goes to have a little snipe and when he clears it off the deck, but just his running game and kicking game has been just as superb and he makes a shitload of tackles for a little fella in and around the ruck, but one of the other guys that I want to... You just see his, he just has full control, you know, he, and, he, and he just makes the right decision every time, and, he, and he's he's a, clearly the leader of that team. Well, it's not uh, something that you typically see from a New Zealand halfback, and mm. yeah, he is like a tactician now, like he's almost reading the game like he's two moves ahead. Now, some of the results haven't gone their way, but that hasn't been to do with them, if, if anything, like I don't think that the Highlanders would be anywhere near as good as they are if they had to play their young halfback in Falao Vakatava or if Kane Hamilton was starting the game. So, yeah, and I guess that just bodes well for the All Blacks once he gets behind an, an even better forward pack. But we paid a mention to the Highlanders' bench, and they went to their bench early. They made a couple of subs, like you said, with Marina Makaili Tu'u. Ash Dixon went off, and one of their front rowers came off as well. And I thought that the likes of Jesse Parate added real punch. John Onariki came on, he scored a try when they needed to, and Manaki Selby Rickett, the, the young lock, was part of the build-up to Aaron Smith's try where he, he ran the support line and managed to pop it back to his vice-skipper before he dotted down. Another standout for me, and we've mentioned Boshier, and obviously he was unfortunate to be on the wrong side of the ledger with this fixture considering how well he played, and maybe he was the one that got pinged with that truck and trailer call to ice out the game, but Shannon Frizzell... Yeah, he's awesome. been something else as of late and I know that we talked about the All Blacks blindside spot a little bit and the fact that well the All Blacks had been missing just someone sort of dynamic in that in that sixth role and for me he's the front runner to to get first shot at that jersey right now he has shown a willingness to to get into some of the grubby stuff and, and stick his head in dark places but the amount of mm meters that he gained up that left side of the field and he's shown that he's quite handy with with getting his arms free and, and offloading to guys running off his shoulders but did you take much away from his performance on Sunday? Uh, yeah I thought he was outstanding again um that, that's a good battle Boucher and, and Frizzell isn't it it was um but two very different types of players you got Boucher he's, he's going to attack that ball at the ruck 
almost like a second open side. Um, and you got Frizzell who um, quite physical and yeah, willing willing to put his head into dark places and do some of the the grubby work. But um, yeah, he, and it, and it, and this is not a shot at the at um, the Highlanders, but in a team that probably doesn't have a lot of big stars or or huge huge names, I think Frizzell along with Smith and a, and a couple others is are quite key to their success and yeah. um yeah and in that forward pack um between Tu'u and and Frizzell I think yeah they're, they're really the the starch in that team that really um do the damage up front for them well I think uh, that the other thing that he's got going from he's he's a line out option yeah because he does have the height but if you think about the way that the All Blacks are going to go and you're going to have to have Sam Kane in there because he's the captain and you're going to have to have Artie in there I think it's a, it's really a toss up between Frizzell and Satutu and where they want to put Sevilla. Uh, like we're seeing with the Hurricanes at the moment, Dupusi Khalifi's occupying the seven jersey, so Artie Sevilla's playing number eight, so he's getting his reps up there. Sam Kane's going to get first shot at the seven jersey, so do you push Artie to six to make way for the informed Satutu, who's similar to Frizzell, being sort of setting the world on fire as of late, or do you keep everyone in the positions that they're playing in at the moment? And for me, I, I think that I think that you do. I I just really like the the look of Frizzell, and like you said, there aren't a lot of stars in his four pack, and I don't want to take anything away from Satutu, but it's easier to do your role and do it really well when everybody else is doing theirs. Mm-hmm. And that's not to take away from some of the other Highlanders boys who who stood up, but you wouldn't put that four pack and the Blues four pack on the same level. But the fact that Frizzell is still standing out and, like we saw, still sticking his head in dark places and sticking his hand up to do some of the, the less flashy stuff that um, some of his counterparts aren't as keen to do, I think that just only bodes well for him and the prospect of him being in a starting jumper for the All Blacks. Yeah, I mean, how many good eights are there? Uh, Saul Kula, uh, To'u. Ari, uh, who's who's the Crusaders number eight? I can't think of the top of my head. Fitzy Douglas, Fitzy Douglas, pretty handy. But I suppose I look at Tu'u and uh, Satutu as as genuine eights. Mm. I, uh, I mean, we just haven't seen them play six, but I imagine they they could. But Akiri Iwani, I thought that he Iwani he had a well. decent outing yeah. on on Saturday, and he seems to have made the move to six to make way for. Satutu, even though Satutu didn't play on the weekend, uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's gonna there's gonna be a, a a lot of talk around certain positions for the All Blacks. The midfield's gonna be another one. The outside yeah. backs, fullback is gonna be another one, <laughs> depending on like what happens with with Bodie. But I mean, yeah, like, I'll, I'll, I'd be happy putting Adi anywhere six, seven, or eight because that guy. He's unreal. He's he yeah, but, yeah. He goes. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I know some people say. Kane's a better seven, and all that jazz. But I, I think Artie's just one of those guys. He's he's influential and he's keen to, he's key to the success of that um, forward pack. So, but I don't think he's confined to one position. He just has to be on that field somewhere. Mm. Um, six, seven, or eight, take your pick. Yeah. Um, whereas, okay, Kane's obviously going to be the captain. He's going to get he's he's going to get the first shot at seven, probably for some time. Well, that's the thing, though, right? Like, it's not even like he's getting the first shot. Like, he is going to be wearing the seven jersey for the most part. Like, I I can't think back, and I'm not an old fella, but when was the last time your All Black captain got dropped? 
I mean, they showed a lot of loyalty to someone like Kieran Reid, who arguably wasn't playing his best football and was a bit injury-prone towards the back end of his career with some of the head knocks that he took. But yeah, Kane's play, and you mentioned that, that dumb yellow card that, uh, well, dumb penalty, which led to the yellow card that he gave away. You know, that's not the sort of stuff that you want to be seeing from the guy <laughs> who's who's running the yeah. ship for the national team. And I know that his one of his primary roles is, as a seven is to be a pest, but yeah, you, you got to know better after just being warned by the referee that there have been multiple penalties given away in an, an attacking area for the Highlanders. And it wasn't like it was 50-50. Like he was clearly off his feet in the ruck and it was right in front of the referee as well. So, hey, I mean, like everyone has their off days and it, it was maybe just, you know, one brain fade that happens to the best of us. But, yeah, I'll, I'll say it before and I'll say it again. I'm not sure about Sam Kane's captaincy. I take nothing away from him as as a player and, and as a man and maybe some of the influence that he has within that all-black setup. But when you're not even arguably the best at your position in the country and you've sort of been given a rite of passage because of how, I guess, the leadership skills that you, you display whilst in the national setup. I mean, he didn't, he didn't even start at the Rugby World Cup in the most important game in the semi-final last year they had to bring him off the bench because Artie was that good uh, and we didn't we had, well we hadn't even seen a lot of him in pre-lockdown Super Rugby but then they make this announcement that he's going to be the new All Black captain now I'm not even sure if that's a reflection on Ian Foster and maybe like the the first of potentially a, a lot of wrong moves um, yeah again I don't I don't want <laughs> No, I am. I'm. 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 I'm going to. I'm going to speak my voice here. Um, I was more keen to see Scott Robertson take the All Blacks head coaching role. I think that the All Blacks needed a bit of a change, having gone from Graham Henry in 2011 to then Steve Hansen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, 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 Hansen had a success, but by the time he come to the end of his run at that World Cup, things did look a little bit stale, and the fact they left that mm-hmm. Bowden Mwanga experiment to one year leading into the most important year of his career because I know that a lot was made of the influence of Wayne Smith and a lot of players have have, have talked really highly of Wayne Smith and obviously he was a part of that 2015 coaching setup so yep Steve Hansen was the head coach but like you can't hide behind the fact that Wayne Smith would have had his hands over everything to do with their their structure and, 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 and the way that that team was was picked and used yeah, I mean, yeah, like uh, if that was Ian Foster's call, and if he's the head coach, you think that it'd be his call to pick Sam Kane as your captain, having not had a big enough sample size to to really see how good he is after a World Cup, where, like I said, he was dropped uh, for the for the most important game at the back end of twenty nineteen. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. think he should have been dropped there. They went for size, didn't they, with Scott Barrett? At well, six, yeah, yeah, they? yeah. They picked Scott Barrett at six. That yeah. was that was a probably not the best call either as we you know in retrospect you know looking back on it but um i suppose that was the combat the size of the the english pack the physicality yeah. of the english pack but um yeah i mean i i tend to agree and um we are i suppose it sounds quite harsh but um I, and i might be a bit biased being a hurricane supporter and wellington man but um i think Artie's Artie's the best seven but then again he's still coming back from injury he's not 100 percent, but he's he's playing well Mm-hmm. But we know what Artie can do and what he's capable of, and I think by the end of the season you'll see him humming again. Um, yeah. But I, 
he won't be playing seven for the All Blacks. That's obviously Sam Keynes. They'll go. You, we never know. We you know it's it's hard to tell. You know he might put on that black jersey and you know the the coaches have obviously seen they've gone in early and they've they've put their captain and they made it clear that he's going to be the leader and he must possess some leadership skills and that that um that we're not you know that, that we don't see on the field. But yeah, um, true, true. Yeah. Which, which is all totally fair, but yeah. You know? yeah. I guess just from me looking at it from the outside in, guys who are being picked for the All Blacks are typically playing really good footy and things just aren't going well for the Chiefs at the moment. And so that makes his life hard as well as a player. And I, I guess the fact that we highlight the, the brain fade that he had, you know, just all that stuff sort of compounding. And yeah, I'm, I, I'm probably being a bit hypercritical, but... Yeah, I'm just. I I haven't always been his biggest fan. I mean, I I like the work that he does in defence, and he's no stranger to putting in a big hit. But even Justin Marshall highlighted during the game. I don't know if you paid attention to that. He would have. He well, he'd like to see a bit more work done with his game with distributing the ball and how a lot of his skill set is more so focused on with just the tackle and that he probably doesn't possess some of the the silky ball handling skills that some of his counterparts do but again this is me me, me being critical again but just me sharing my mind on my podcast i guess but uh we'll 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 wrap it up there bro um thank you very much for for joining me on on the show this week to to cover this latest round it's it's awesome having someone different on the show to share their views with me and and open my eyes to possibly some stuff that i've missed across the weekend or to share some thoughts with me that through my own biases or our own perspectives that I wouldn't have paid any mind to. So, yeah, uh, I, I wish you luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much for, for telling the boys to leave me alone on Saturday. I, I woke up um, not as stiff as what I expected to be on, on Sunday morning, but, yeah, appreciate your work. Yeah, Cheers, bro. I uh, appreciate it. And, yeah, I, I didn't tell the boys that at all. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but um, yeah, it, was, it was a good game on Saturday. Obviously, the boys are a bit gutted, but... Uh, it's rugby. We're gonna exactly. move on, move forward. But yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, look forward to listening to to more content on uh, Code with Kingy. Cheers. Appreciate it, bro. Take care. You too.